0: Loved ones, I invite you now to find in your Bibles, open up God's Word to Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6 to 13, our scripture passage this morning for us to consider. That's found on page... 1,870 in our Pew Bibles. So let us hear now God's holy word for us this morning. But the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenants of which he is mediator is superior to the old one. And it is founded on better promises. For if there had been nothing wrong with that first covenant, no place would have been given, would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the people and said, The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenants I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. Because they did not remain faithful to my covenant, and I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds. I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete. And what is obsolete and aging will soon disappear. So far the reading of God's word. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May the Holy Spirit add his blessing to it as we consider it this morning. Well, loved ones, on July 19th of 1969, 53 years ago, Neil Armstrong stepped off a ladder and planted his foot on the moon's powdery surface. Just imagine that. He became the first man to touch the moon, and he said famously, right, that's one small step for man, but one giant leap for man." kind on a practical level putting the man putting a man on the moon was a booster shot of optimism for american society it gave everyone a sense of security and hope for americans in a world that was under stress a world that was in conflict where there was a threat of danger from other nations and man setting foot on the moon gave people the impression that the sky was no longer the limit it felt like new hope was born but let's be honest let's think about this what good did that 280 billion dollar project to send a man to the moon actually accomplish for humanity what did that accomplish they brought back a lot of moon dust but did it solve any of the world's problems no it did not Wars did not cease, evil was not suddenly overturned, and death was not defeated. The lunar landing, it felt novel, it felt new, but it didn't really bring anything new to this world under the sun. And here we are, 53 years later, and we have all, in a sense, set foot into a new year. But is it really new? No. No, it's not. Does a new year actually bring us new hope? No, that's just optimism, which is not wrong in itself, but it's not real, grounded, lasting hope. You see, loved ones, no matter how resolved you are right now at the beginning of this year with whatever resolutions you might have come up with, you can't fix yourself. Humanity can never totally fix itself or solve the world's biggest problems. There is no hope found for us in ourselves. We must look outside of ourselves. And the text before us that we just read directs our hearts outside of us, directs our hearts to find hope not in us, but in God and in Him alone. To find hope in the new reality that has begun through the person and work of Jesus Christ. This is where true hope is found. In the new covenant that God has established through the person and work of Christ. And in that new covenant that we just read about, God has promised to fix all things and give us future fortunes of his loving favor forevermore, truly, New and lasting hope has been born through the work of Christ, our King. And so to see this hope that's set before us, we'll find in our text, first, the faults of the old, secondly, the faithfulness in the new, and lastly, the future fortunes that God has promised us. So first, the fault in the old. Look at verse 7 with me. Look at verse 7. The implication here in this text, loved ones, is that God found fault in the old way of dealing with humanity. There was a fault that came with the old covenant. Something was wrong, something was off. And how do we know that? Well, the apostle says for us that because otherwise God would not have purposed to create or to establish a new covenant if the first one was working. The first one was not working in a sense. God made, therefore, a new covenant because there is a fault in the first. But let's take a step back. What was this first covenant that the text is talking about here? What was this old covenant? Well, we find the answer in verse 9. Look at verse 9 where he says, The new covenant is not like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. And so that old covenant, that first covenant, is the one that God made with his people of Israel at Mount Sinai after redeeming them from Egypt and from slavery and the oppression there. This was the covenant administration that Moses, that great prophet of God, received and then gave to Israel, also known as the law of God. So, the Old Covenant refers to the Mosaic Law and that administration of God's grace to Israel in that time. And this Mosaic Law is not just the moral law of God, but also all of his rules for purification and consecration, setting Israel apart from the world and holy, consecrated to God. So, God found fault found something wrong with the administration of the mosaic covenant the mosaic law but look at verse 8 the author does not want us to think that the fault lies with god himself the fault is not with god or his law or even the mosaic covenant there is nothing wrong or faulty in the law of god itself it is perfect as verse says, verse 8 says for us, where does the fault lie? It lies in this, that God found fault with the people. With the people. What does that mean? It means that even though God took them, think of this, he took them tenderly by the hand to lead them out of slavery, out of oppression, taking them by the hand, as it were, even though God spoke to them directly and personally, even though God told them exactly what they needed to do in order to make themselves right with God and turn themselves around, they failed to do it. They failed. Verse 9 says, They did not remain faithful to my covenant, and I turned away from them, declares the Lord. Literally there, the text says that they did not continue in my covenant. They didn't stay in it. They didn't stay with their resolution to obey the Lord and all his law. They stepped outside of the bounds of their vow. They stepped outside of the bounds of their covenant agreement, and they broke each and every law of God. You see, the fault in the old was this, humanity, humanity. God is not the blame for the brokenness of the world. The fault lies with us. The Times once sent out an inquiry to famous authors asking the question, what's wrong with the world today? Some of you probably heard this before. And G.K. Chesterton responded simply, dear sir, I am, I am the problem. This is what we all need to see again, loved ones. We see the evil that surrounds us. We see that clearly. We have eyes to see that. We see all that surrounds us, the evil, like a massive overgrown tree taking over the world in politics, in various administrations, and all of the corruption that exists. We see that overgrown tree of corruption and wickedness But do we see that the roots of that wickedness are found in our own hearts? Do we see that? We're quick to see that our current political leaders are corrupt, but do we see that even if a man after God's own heart was placed in a position of power, that we would all still be broken? We would all still be at fault and in need of mending. We would all still be in the wrong and in need of being set right what this text before us is reminding us is that according to Christianity, according to God and the Bible, we are incapable of fixing ourselves. It doesn't matter how many great resolutions you or all of society set and are committed to. If it depends on us and our own strength, our own ability, we are doomed for failure. Our hearts are not pure enough to clean up the mess that we have made. We are not good enough. This was Israel's problem under the Mosaic law, the law of Moses. They could not purge the promised land of all of its evil because their own hearts were still evil. They brought evil with them. This is also the problem with every other religion that exists in the world outside of Christianity. This is also the problem with the naive belief in science and the sciences as well. It's not just that the world is broken and in need of fixing. If that were the case, and with the right tools, the right resources, and the r- enough willpower together, well, we could mend the world and solve all of its problems. But the problem is not just out there, outside of us. The problem is here in our hearts in each and every one of us the problem in the world is us and we are in need of fixing the world needs fixing because we are in need of fixing so we see that the fault that god found in the old in the old covenant with moses and the mosaic law in israel is the same fault that he finds in religions and the sciences today the same fault that he finds in us that humanity is too corrupt, too evil. Do you see that this morning? Do you see what G.K. Chesterton said, that the problem with the world is you and me? And until you do, until you see that clearly, well, until you do, you will not be ready to see what God has done, the new thing that God has brought into this world, the new administration that he established in the covenant of grace. So we've seen that the fault with the old way is you and me, humanity itself. So let's consider the new thing that God has established. We'll see now, secondly, the faithfulness in the new. Look at verse 6 with me. Verse 6, where the apostle Paul, or the apostle here, we don't actually know if it was the apostle Paul, but the apostle says that the ministry Jesus has received Is superior as the covenant of which he is mediator is superior to the old one. Why is it superior? Well, since he says it is established on better promises. The author, loved ones, wants us to find hope for real and lasting change, but not in a new political administration that might be up and coming. No but rather in the administration of King Jesus that has already been initiated, inaugurated, that has already begun. God wants us to find hope not in our own resolutions, not in the empty promises of politicians, but true and lasting hope in Jesus and his promises, which are better. The promises of his administration are better. They are founded upon mercy and peace, his covenant, grace what are those promises those better promises we find them in verse 10 to 12. verse 10 to 12 where he says this is the covenant i will establish with the people of israel after that time declares the lord i will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts i will be their god and they will be my people no longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another know the lord because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Now, as we read that, what jumps out at you? What's repeated over and over again? Did you notice the I wills? I will do this, declares the Lord, over and over again. What's the main difference that we see here between this new covenant that Jesus is administering, that Jesus is a better mediator for, What is the main difference? The main difference is that instead of relying on our own faithfulness, our own willpower to try and fix us in the world, this new covenant that Jesus established relies on God and his faithfulness, God's firm resolution to bring forgiveness, healing, and renewal. And so we find here at the beginning of this new year, The good news is not that you have another chance to make resolutions that, let's be honest, you probably won't be able to accomplish perfectly. No, the good news is this, that God will do what he has promised to do. God has resolved to do these things for you in and through Christ his Son. The strength of this new covenant is found in this, the unstoppable, unrelenting faithfulness of God. That is good news for us this morning. And what does that tell us about the heart of God for us? Well, it tells us that he is truly gracious, truly. How so? Well, this is, isn't it, the last, ultimate, final covenant that God has committed to for all of eternity. Think of it in this way god came to this covenant of grace in time why because his heart was already there in eternity past he came to this in time because his heart was already there in eternity past god made a covenant of grace with us because he is gracious he has made a covenant with sinners promising as it says here to teach us about himself why why would he promise that Because he wants to be known by sinners. He wants us to know him more and more. That means that God wants you to get to know him more today and for the rest of this year, for the rest of your life, for all of eternity. He wants you to know him. You see, God isn't closed off to sinners. He is open to us. In fact, each week God is inviting us to his house to talk with him to eat with him. He openly shares all of himself with us, with sinners. Why? Because he wants us to know him and to enjoy him forever. His invitation to enter his house by this covenant of grace is always open. Think of that. We open our homes on occasion to invite people in, right? Uh, Once we have it all cleaned up and when we feel ready and equipped and we work ourselves up to invite others in, but God's invitation is always open. Come in, come and get to know me, come eat with me, come receive from me, live with me. His invitation is always open because his heart is always open to us. Always. Always until a point. What point? The end. The end, right? The end of life as we know it and we need to think of that as well that friends his invitation this open invitation of grace and mercy is open until that last trumpet blast and christ returns we don't know when that will be but we know it will be and on that day it will be a closed house closed doors but until then we see in this passage An announcement issued from the king of creation published on all the walls over all the earth he has issued in a sense his public decree that declares his love for sinners like you and like me and God's announcement we can think of it in this way is like this hear ye hear ye the Lord God Almighty the creator of all things the giver of the law he has given us something new he has made a new treaty of grace. Listen now to the terms of this new worldwide administration of Christ the King in the world. God says I will accept people into my eternal kingdom based not on their own achievements or their own worthiness but based entirely on my grace, on my merits. For whoever comes I will issue a divine pardon to forgive them all their previous crimes committed and I will cancel all debts that they have accrued. Moreover, all future offenses will also be forgiven in advance. Not only that, but whoever comes to Christ as their Lord and Savior, I will adopt into my family as my beloved children, and they will know me as their father, and they will be heirs of all that I have forever now the sole stipulation the the one thing that god asked in order to receive these blessings in this covenant of grace is this faith belief in order to receive for all of eternity forward and receive all the blessings that we just considered that are promised here before us one must simply come to believe in jesus christ as the one and only savior and our true lord and king forevermore this is that public announcement that's issued that's sent out to the world from pulpits around the world where everyone where where anyone is preaching the gospel even today the terms of this covenant and all of its promises all the stipulations they were agreed upon when in eternity past, when Christ himself, the Son of God, promised to be the surety of the elect, promised to be the guarantee by his own blood and his own trustworthiness, the surety for sinners, Jesus Christ. So have you heard the announcement? Have you really heard it in your heart? Make now your decision. Will you savor his love or will you spurn it? Will you delight in his mercy or will you disregard it? Will you rest in his heart or will you reject it? Do you see your need to not only to not rely on your own faithfulness but rather upon the faithfulness of God that is in Christ? He alone can forgive us. He alone can fix us. This decision is put before each and every one of us again today. Will you trust in Jesus and begin to follow him today? will you trust in him and follow him he invites you to come under his covenant of grace to receive all of these promises come to him and rest in his faithfulness to you And if you have followed him in the past if you continue to do so would you this and will you this upcoming year continue to follow him until the very end in this text christians you who have followed him for many years in a way our good and great king is looking back he turns around to look at you to behold you with his smiling face to cheer you on and bid you to press on to press on in the faith to stay the course to abide in his love to rest in his faithfulness again this year you know we might make some serious life impacting agreements decisions this upcoming year you as Individuals, as families. You might get married. You might agree to a new job contract. You might buy a house or make a move to another place and enter into a mortgage or lease agreement. But know this, that there is no better contract, no better deal than this. God's forgiveness forever. His love for you forever in Christ. And with Christ comes the promise of new life. In a new world, true hope. And that leads us to our last point the future fortunes that are afforded to us in Christ. Future fortunes. Have you noticed? Have you noticed that we are becoming, it seems, as a society, more and more insatiable, hungry, hungry, hungry for more and more things? We are overwhelmed with media. Netflix, and all the different platforms that exist, ways to amuse ourselves, and yet we are always hungry for more and more new content, new entertainment, new, new, new. But again, none of that is really new, is it? There was a time, think of this, there was a time when the ground that we're standing upon used to be called the new world, when it was discovered by Europeans. But it didn't really bring anything that was new. It was new for a time and now it's old, right? It didn't really bring anything new that breaks the cycle of sin and death. Only what Jesus has brought is in fact new. Only the new covenant sealed by the blood of Jesus can promise us what is truly new, new life in the new creation. Think of this, we sent a man to the moon, but it didn't really change anything. God the Father sent his son in our humanity to touch the dust of this earth, and it has changed everything. God came to us to bring something new. When Neil Armstrong, he suited up, got into that lunar lander, and then stepped out onto the moon, it did not fix the world. But when the Son of God suited up in our humanity, died, was placed in the tomb, and then three days later took that first step of resurrection life, that was the beginning of something new, the new creation. In our human nature, God has in fact dealt with our sin. He took the full price in order to forgive us. He beat death. And he took that first step with immeasurable power, the first step to bringing newness, to fixing this world, to fixing us. Only the resurrection of Jesus has brought something truly new and truly lasting, and he gives us full access, full access to all those future fortunes of his kingdom, how by way of his covenants of grace that he has established. You can have all of your sins forgiven. You can have all of God's law written upon your heart, not just on stone, but on your heart by his spirit. You can get to know God both now and forevermore. How? By faith alone in him who willed the salvation of sinners like us. Think of that. The Son of God came willingly. Willingly. Willingly, This was the Father, the Son, and the Spirit's plan from all of eternity past before the foundation of the world. We can go back, in a sense, and imagine that intra-Trinitarian dialogue, that conversation between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as they settled the terms of this covenant before creating all things. We can imagine it, the Father saying, Son, by becoming their surety in this covenant... Do you recognize the risk that you are taking on? We both know that they will fail miserably. We both know the just punishment that they deserve. That will fall all upon you, my son. And Jesus, the Son of God, responds, Yes, Father, I know all of their baggage, and I know the cost. But, Son, their shame will torment you. Their hate will break your heart, and our own divine justice will crush you. I know, Father, and I am willing. I am committed to them. I am steadfast of purpose. Nothing can change my mind on the matter. I have given them my heart. I am willing to lay down my life in love for them. I am resolved to be broken into a million pieces in order to mend them together as one in me. This is my resolution, Father. I will be nailed on a tree so that they can sit on one of our thrones in the kingdom of God. I will be slain and my blood will spill out so that angels will serve them wine in the new creation. I will take my last breath and die alone so that they can breathe the fresh air of the new creation with us forevermore. I am willing, Father. Don't punish them. Take my body and blood instead. Despite all their sin, here I am. Punish me, not them. Loved ones, do you see it? Christ gave us his word. He gave his Father the word and he showed up. God the Son is a man of his word. The opening of this year this is the word of commitment that you and i need to take note of and have inscribed upon our hearts this is the resolution that you need to wake up to each and every morning in order to give you direction and hope the resolution of the son of god for you to save sinners like you and me his word of commitment to come and suffer in your place in order to save you from the fearsome justice of God that you and I so deserve this is the kind of hope that we need not hope in our own selves for as we already discovered we are at fault we are in the wrong we cannot fix the mess that we are we need a deep hope that is strong enough to fix us through and through and only him who conquered death itself will do Believe in him. Trust in Christ and his covenant of grace. Trust in his faithfulness for you. Amen. Let us pray. We thank you, Father, that at the beginning of this year, in this very moment, that you have given us again from your word a message of true hope that is anchored not in anything that we find in ourselves or in this world but anchored in the son of God and his death and resurrection we trust in him this morning Lord and we look to him by faith and ask that you would give us the strength to pursue him all the more to know you more and more to continue to walk in your love to abide in you and your faithfulness for us lord strengthen us by your grace and continue to dish out to us in your mercy the fortunes that you have afforded us by the costly death of your own son this we ask in jesus name amen